Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Christina Stathopoulos, and I will be your host today. After building out an advanced analytics career in tech, I am now the founder of Dare to Data on a mission to help individuals and corporations take the next step in their data journey. In today's episode, I'm joined by Anthony Cosgrove, co-founder at Harbor, and we're here to discuss solving data access headaches. Welcome to the podcast, Anthony. Happy to have you here today. How are you doing? Hey, Christina. Thanks for having me. Of course. I've, I've really been looking forward to our chat, so let's get started. The first thing I would like is, can you begin by introducing yourself? So tell us who you are and what you and your team do at Harbor. Yeah, sure. So uh, Anthony Cosgrove, the co-founder of Harbor. Um, at Harbor, we're, we're really trying to solve data access. Um, it's a really significant challenge for a lot of organizations. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into the, the weeds of that as we go through. Um, and the way we do that is by providing companies with private data marketplaces uh, where they can manage data, they can manage data as a product, uh, and they're able to really enable um users to access that data in a very frictionless way. Yeah, we're definitely going to be covering data access in depth in our in our conversation. And I think we can all agree that data access is incredibly important, but there are some common challenges and pitfalls that a lot of companies are facing. So how would you define the current state of data access? And also, what are the common challenges that are being faced? Yeah, so I think kind of as you said, um, Data access is like it's incredibly important. I mean, that's the whole reason I started Harbor was having kind of experienced a lot of challenges in enabling access to data for a very wide range of different users, from very technical users to kind of business users that had kind of other expertise and specialisms, you know, aside from data. And it was just it was just incredibly challenging. Even when I had you know aggregated the data and built a great data lake and put a bunch of interfaces on top of it, there was still a bunch of challenges and problems. Um, but but whilst I think we can all probably hopefully agree that data access is really important, I think it's probably one of the most overlooked aspects of data as well. Like it sounds really obvious when you say it, but like you can't realize value from data until it's been accessed. Right. That's just that's just not possible. Uh, and that fact is is obvious, right? That's painfully obvious. Um, but but data access and enabling data access, I think, continues to be widely overlooked. Um, in in my mind, you know, it's it's a critical competency for every organization that aspires to be data driven um, or is aiming to maximize their return on investment from data. When we talk about data access, you know, typically um, it sounds like straightforward, right? I would give you access to the data and then we're good, right? Uh, kind of value magically happens. But the reality is that sharing data requires the owner of that data to balance risk and reward. Um, and that's probably the, the biggest aspect of what makes data access challenging. Um, without the right framework, without the right tools in place, it's really easy to fall into the trap where the data owners are kind of essentially protecting the data, right? They're, they're guarding it and they're not granting access because they don't have the capability to, to really manage that, that kind of risk and reward um, in an appropriate way. 
And kind of when you dig into the kind of, well, why is that? You know, managing risk and reward requires a lot of flexibility and control around how that data is accessed. It's not simply data is accessed or data isn't accessed. There's a bunch of questions. Is it accessed at source? Is it accessed via a platform or an interface that can kind of protect the data, uh, but enable particular consumption patterns? Is the data portable? So like, can it be accessed somewhere else, you know, in a different technology or, or in a different organization in order to, to meet a need and fulfill a use case? You know, at Harbor, we often say that data access is not binary. And what we mean by that is there's this vast spectrum of data access options that are needed in order to, to balance risk and reward. So I think that, that kind of risk and reward kind of challenge um, kind of defines a lot of what happens in the current state where, where data access is quite poor. But then there's there's also like this really big second part of it, which is almost the elephant in the room, which is around, well, who's accessing it? What skills do they have? You know, what do they actually need in order to get value from the data that's being provided? You know, when you think about it, a data scientist has fundamentally different skills and needs compared to like, like a business analyst. So you need to have this broad set of flexible options to enable data access, but, but also a broad set of options to actually unlock the business value. And I think sadly, because this is sort of, I don't know if it's just not understood or, or it's overlooked or it's assumed, but, but I think most organizations probably haven't focused enough time and effort on it. Um, and only now really are we seeing CDOs and data practitioners like really thinking with a lot of intent about how to solve this in a meaningful way. You know, a lot of organizations that we know have spent huge amounts of time, money and effort moving, structuring, cleansing, tagging and monitoring data. You know, and all of that stuff is super important from a manufacturing perspective. But they're now hitting kind of the next bottleneck in the value chain, which is how do I get that data into the hands of all the, all the users that need it to service and, and kind of execute those use cases, particularly the business users who are typically underserved in a way that's secure and scalable, but delivers a value. Yeah, it, you said that, so what you said earlier, data access is one of the most overlooked aspects of working with data, and you've, you've reiterated this point, and you also sound very passionate about solving this challenge. May I ask where you originally got um, inspired to, to tackle this problem with Harbor? Yeah, sure. So I was I was working in a, a large financial institution. Um, we had built a, a really significant kind of data asset um, within our data lake um, and a very clear and specific business use case associated with it. So, so far, so good, you know, great um, ticking all of the boxes. But what we then found was we had um, uh, a lack of tools to manage the risk at a use case level. So when a particular user needed to use the data for a particular use case, um, there were only kind of one or two ways of accessing that data. And it was kind of, here's all of the data, or the trade-off was, here's a really poor experience of accessing the data. Um, and that kind of led me, along with a bunch of other kind of challenges that, that we identified, to kind of see that there was something missing everything around data at that point, and I'm, I'm going back like seven or eight years now, um, uh, but everything around data at that point was around aggregating all of the data into a lake or a warehouse 
and then putting some kind of um, uh, interface on top of that or, or accessing it directly within that, that particular environment. You know, if we fast forward seven years, a lot of that's still going on. But what we wanted to do with Harbour was to say, okay, well, let's just assume that that happens and that's taken care of. How do you actually service the users of the data when the users are really, really diverse, when the use cases are really diverse, when you have to manage risk and reward at a really, really granular level, and where you really want to be able to do that at scale, which means self-service, it means automation, uh, it means really intuitive user journeys, it means a lot of flexibility around what users and producers of data are able to do and provide. So that was sort of a, a real light bulb moment for me. And if I sound passionate about it, it's, you know, I was certainly passionate about it enough in order to, you know, start Harbor and build it out and go on that journey. Yeah. So it sounds like it was a problem that you were, you were already dealing with directly and you, you decided to, to solve it yourself. And so when it comes to improving data access, what types of things do we need to keep in mind? So from your vast experience in this area over the years, what are some tips and tricks that you can share with us? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I, I think there have been a lot of like really good developments over the last few years that are, are helping to kind of push this forward. Um, I think there's increasing recognition by data teams that to get value and to demonstrate value, they need to engage with the business. And that inevitably includes a lot of non-technical users. You know, we're seeing the rise of data product management as a, as a role and as a discipline. I, I think that as, as a role certainly has exploded over the last sort of 18 to 24 months. And in a way that's very similar to software product management, those data product managers have a very far, sharp focus on um, kind of use cases, on risk management, on value realization. You know, they're, they're very much looking at the end-to-end -end value chain for the data. So they're not just focusing on data manufacturing. Um, you know, often they, they kind of almost don't really care about data manufacturing so long as it meets a specification of the product that they want and need to deliver to the market. You know, they're really thinking about use cases, target personas, uh, the skills and needs of those personas. Like, where do they work? Kind of what tools do they use? How do they meet those consumers where they are? You know, at Harbor, we, we often talk about the four Ps. You know, there's a payload of manufactured data uh, that's then wrapped in packaging and permissioning, which is really there to support that kind of uh, risk and, and value um, transfer. Uh, and, and then a product would be placed somewhere where it can be discovered and accessed. And those four Ps facilitate, you know, uh, essentially a, a very, very scalable experience of accessing data that's complementary to data manufacturing, um, as opposed to data manufacturing, sort of being asked to kind of wear two hats, uh, one of those hats essentially not looking too great. Um, at the data product management level, we see those trends happening and, and that's really beneficial around business access to data. At the kind of more strategic level, we're also seeing much more of a focus on data democratization on data culture, you know, the forward-thinking CDOs are really the the primary torchbearer for, for those movements. And like when you think about it, it's pretty difficult to imagine having a great data culture or saying, you know, we've democratized data without having solved data access at scale in a, in a really meaningful way. Um, so I, I think 
you know, data access is now starting to become a core part of data strategies. It's certainly very, very tightly bound to data product management. It's very closely tied to data democratization and data culture. Um, and I think as people start to really understand that that wide spectrum of needs uh, uh, around data access, it's not just simply this binary, you have access or you don't, there's controls, there's packaging, um, there's a whole kind of stack that goes with that. Um, I think that will you know, I, I think that will really start to improve data access and push things forward. Yeah, data culture is is being talked about a lot lately. I mean, you need you need to have a solid data culture if you want to have a data driven, even an AI first company. And like you said, you can't do that without scaled data access. Um, let's connect this a little bit more to the business side. And you've already started um, connecting it to the business, but how does all of this? around data access come together to facilitate those all important business use cases and and for those to really make sure they're getting the most out of their data, that they're getting this return on investment? Yeah, look, I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a great question, right? Um, and like, honestly, it's, it's probably the question we should all be asking ourselves every day when we work in data. Um, yeah, the value from the data, right? Exactly. I mean, like, what's the point of doing anything with data if it's not driving business value? Exactly. I mean, that sounds like a sounds like a pretty awesome way to lose a lot of money. So I think you know, at the heart of it, I think are the business use cases. You know, every activity that we do, you know, whether it's aggregating data, manufacturing data, monitoring data, enabling access to data, using data, you know, all of this should focus on you know what is the use case. Uh, and every investment decision, in, in in my view, should come back to you know, a well-defined, well-described business use case. Um, uh, but there's 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 sort of an interesting challenge there, um, and it's something that, that our customers and our users kind of come across, and, and we sometimes help them to solve, which is kind of how do you go about uncovering those use cases in the absence of data or without control over who's accessing that data. Right. Often, and certainly with data product development, you know, you need this iterative process of honing in on a use case and understanding the the end-to-end value proposition deeply enough to decide whether or not to execute on it and and kind of how to prioritize it against other things you could be doing. But that iterative process often requires access to the data. So again, you're kind of back to kind of needing those risk management controls. It's, it's sort of kind of full circle. You need them at the start and you need them at the end. Um, so I think kind of use cases are critical, um, but I think data access is uh, crucial for both discovering those use cases and then ultimately enabling them. That's true. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you if you don't have different teams being able to access the data to even start to brainstorm use cases, then um, you don't have a good place to start. Now, we've already started uh, talking about the business connections, and I would love for you to speak a little bit more about the different sides of data as a product and also how Harbor helps make this happen. Now, when we were speaking about this actually before our um, before our recording, and I found it really interesting the way that you mentioned the different sides of data as a product. So you mentioned that, first of all, you have the commercial side, so data commerce, which is selling insights, and data acquisition, which is buying insights. And then you mentioned as well the non-commercial side of data sharing, which is providing and consuming data 
or as you like to call it, data bartering, which I like that term. So can you elaborate a little bit more on this? What, how does this work, the different sides of data as a product and how Harbor is, is uh, helping make all of this happen? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, our, our customers today, you know, we deliver these private data marketplaces that they, they run and operate. Um, and one of the nice features in the platform is you're able to set different operating models for how your organizations uh, and users on your platform uh, are, are actually able to use it and interact with each other. So, so we actually see the full spectrum of what you've just covered from organizations that are selling data as a product. Um, sometimes that's data as a product. Sometimes that's insights. Um, sometimes that's services. Um, that can even sometimes be access to a model. Um, so their customers would actually kind of process their data against a model uh, and get an enriched outcome at the end. So we see these sort of variable ways in which our commercial customers uh, monetize data assets um, uh, by providing a lot of flexibility around the user journey, how the user accesses it, where the user accesses it, and having a lot of control over kind of protecting their data or protecting their models throughout that entire end-to-end -end process. Um, we also have customers that are really just focusing on, like, how do we get value from data? That might be, you know, sometimes called an internal data marketplace. Um, sometimes that's, um, that, that concept of internal is a bit nebulous. It might be internal as in within a particular business unit or business line. It might be internal across a corporate group that has lots of different legal entities, sometimes even globally dispersed legal entities. Uh, and sometimes it, it actually is sort of non-connected legal entities, customers, suppliers, partner organizations. Um, and what we see there is, um, you kind of mentioned earlier, the data bartering. So sometimes that sharing will be happening because there's an obligation. So a regulator or a competent authority or, or some sort of law that means that you have to share some data in a secure way. Um, but often what's happening there is there's data is being exchanged um, or there's a common value proposition that will be enabled by one or other party sharing their data, sharing their model, sharing their insights, whatever it happens to be. So, so it's definitely non-commercial in that it doesn't have a price tag on it, um, but, but it's absolutely commercial in terms of its aims and objectives, which are to you know, generate a value proposition for both parties. And you said you're you're seeing this. This is coming more common for companies, right? To to be interested in is and is is it both the internal and external aspects, or where are you seeing um, the most interest from Harbor? Yeah. So um, when we initially started, you know, we uh, we definitely got more traction with um, uh, companies that were, were already selling data as a product. You know, for them, Harbor is their their digital front end. And it's 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 how they interact in a digital way with their existing customers, you know, uh, accelerate revenue, um, uh, increase cross-sell upsell, provide a much better experience or more flexibility, um, bringing in self-serve, like all of those like really good standard like digital transformation benefits. Um, and then what we've seen over time um, are organisations that are either. Um, focusing on how do they break into that market. Um, so they spend a lot of money on their data, 
they've perhaps gone through a digital transformation themselves and they now have data they didn't previously have um, that, that is potentially useful to their customers um, uh, or, or partners. Uh, and they're trying to work out, well, how do we actually monetize that? And what does that look like? Are we going to be bartering or are we actually going to be selling it? Uh, and, and when we do that, how do we take that data to market? Um, but also to the point earlier, how do we uncover the use cases that, that those parties care about uh, in, in a secure and managed way uh, in order to prioritize them? Um, alternatively, what, what we're seeing are organizations just, you know, they themselves are large ecosystems. They have complex technology environments. They have a wide range of uh, kind of very diverse users with lots of different skills. Um, and they're kind of seeing that they're struggling to get the value they were anticipating from all of the investment that they've made in data infrastructure. And in order to kind of uh, solve that, they really have to go that last mile. So they're deploying these private data marketplaces very much internally um, in order to satisfy the needs of those users uh, within what is you know, quite a complicated environment that, that doesn't readily lend itself to complete standardization and homogenization of technology, data, users, you know, legal entity boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it sounds like you've got a, a mix of clients. You've got those experienced um, as well as those non-experienced or not being able to reach the full potential that they expected, but they're curious, eager to, to see how Harbor can help them um, take it to the full potential, right? That's exactly right. Uh, and often we kind of start small, um, you know, we work with the customers as they they start to explore use cases you know sometimes they have some assets that are ready to be productized uh, and we help them to do that um, and and you know effectively immediately offload all of the overhead associated with you know what, what we broadly call data distribution which isn't kind of moving data per se um, but it's distributing it to a user base um, who's able to access it in all of the ways that we discussed earlier yeah, got it. And I've got a last question for you as we approach the end of our episode. Do you have any advice for CDOs or data professionals that are kicking off 2024? They're trying to get the most out of their data, but they're struggling with some of these challenges that we've discussed today. What would you tell them? 100% buy a data marketplace. Okay. <laughs> How did I not see um, that coming? <laughs> no, but, but but seriously, I think um, you know we see some really common activity amongst the the customers that are successful, um, kind of doing this uh, and solving data access. And there's a, effectively there's there's this baseline level of data maturity that you need to be be at in, in order to do this. You know, if you don't have anything that's worth accessing, then you you you're, you're done. Um, uh, likewise, if, if you don't know what can be shared, that will immediately stop you in your tracks. So, you know, whatever your architectural preferences are, you know, whether you're building a mesh, a fabric, an ag aggregation, you know, largely what we see is a combination of all of those to some extent. You need to have taken stock of your data. You need to know what you have. Um, that's probably, you know, in your data catalogue. Uh, you need to understand the business use cases. You know, we mentioned those earlier. Um, you also need to, and this is really crucial, you need to have a clear legal framework aligned to those use cases that sets out what can and can't be shared and with whom. Um, you might also want to have, yeah, probably um, worked out what, what's going to be your system of record for data access. 
So sometimes we see people using Active Directory. I think that's now called Entra, so Microsoft product. Um, sometimes we see people using things like Immuter. Um, and, and kind of once you have those, those components in place, then you have the foundation for enabling data access, um, you know, in, in a very meaningful way um, and at scale. Uh, and at that point, you know, a, a private data marketplace offering this single interface where risk and reward are properly managed, but also addressing the needs of the different personas that you'll need to service, you know, that that starts to become really, really critical uh, and, and incredibly helpful. Uh, and really, you know, we, we see this time and time again, it accelerates business value in a way that, that, that people don't really expect. And we've been kind of privileged, I think, over the last few years to, to really see this happen uh, in multiple different organizations and the, the significance of how just making that really, really effortless um, unlocks just a tremendous amount of business value. So what would my advice be? My advice would be to, to focus on that foundation around legal framework, around knowing the use cases, around having a couple of technologies, be it a catalog, a system of record for recording access, um, and, and then deploying a private data marketplace to make it super, super easy and streamlined. Um, just a shameless plug at the end here as well. Um, earlier this year, we launched a CDO survival guide, um, which is full of really, really practical kind of guidance um, when starting to think about how do I get value at scale when I work in this complicated and diverse data environment. Um, that's on our website to download. So, so if you if anybody's listening and interested in kind of more granular um, thoughts, um, you know, feel free to check that out as well. Perfect. Great advice and lots of actionable points. Um, so thank you for sharing. And everyone remember as well, the CDO survival guide. That's what it's called, right, Anthony? That's right. Yeah. Perfect. So check out the CDO survival guide. Um, thank you for, for the tips. And also thank you so much for joining us today, Anthony. I really appreciate you taking the time out to share your thoughts and also more about what you all are doing at Harbor. Um, and as well, thank you to all of our listeners who tuned in. We hope you took a lot away from today's podcast. And for further information on what we've talked about, please head on over to harbordata.com. It's spelled H-A-R-B-R data.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. So until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to EM360Tech.com.